A few years ago, I got the idea that I wanted my own brand for women to sell women's clothing and lingerie, but I had no idea where to get started. But then I found Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. One of the biggest obstacles for a first-time shop owner like me is having no e-commerce experience, but Shopify simplified everything so much that the site has become the least of my worries. From the graphic design aspect to making customer service super easy on my end, there's nothing you can't do. They give you everything you need to take control of your business, even as a beginner. Sign up now for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash for the girls, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash for the girls now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash for the girls. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I'm headed on a trip to Aruba, so I had to go on a huge shopping spree for all new summer clothes, so I know that's exactly how I would use the money I got from Earn In. So make Earn In a part of your financial routine and join Earn In's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earn In, I think about financial stability, security, it gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in For The Girls under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. For The Girls under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Settling is not an option for me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of For the Girls. I'm your host, Victoria Alario. And today we are talking all things influencers content creation, and everything in between. I have an amazing guest. Her name is Natalie. I can't wait for you all to hear this conversation, but this episode is going to be so good for anyone who is interested in getting into the content creation space, anyone who's trying to make it as an influencer, anyone who's currently a micro-influencer, Anyone at all who just needs some inspiration and wants to just hear some really cool stories from two women, myself included, sharing their experience in the content creation space and how we have really made careers and built these businesses over the years just from simply being ourselves. 
So today's guest, Natalie, is an influencer turned entrepreneur. She began her social media career back in 2011 on YouTube during the rise of the beauty gurus. And she has pivoted multiple times throughout her journey online over the years. So she's now the host of the Real Real podcast, a show where she speaks to entrepreneurs, business leaders, creators, and everyone in between talking about, well, the real real not the highlight reel. She's also the CEO and founder of Rella, a management tool made for influencers to run their business. I was on the show, The Real Reel, a few months ago talking all things confidence with her and we had such a great chat. So it was only necessary to have her on for the girls to introduce her to you all as well. So let's get into the interview. Okay, everyone, please welcome Natalie to For the Girls. I'm so excited for this conversation. I was on Natalie's podcast, The Real Real, a few months ago, and now we are having her join us. So Natalie, introduce yourself to the girls. Hi, I am so excited to be doing this because I know we were supposed to do this a while ago and then everything just went kind of crazy. So (laughs) I'm glad we finally got to. Yeah, I'm Natalie. I am a content creator. I've been a content creator for the past 12 years. And about a year and a half ago, I actually started my own company called Rella. And it's an app for content creators, managers, anyone that works in social media to really manage and organize all of their content and all of their business in one place. So I've been working on that um, as a full-time founder, but also while still doing, you know, my podcast, YouTube, social media on the side. And it's just been so fun getting to work with other content creators and getting to build something that actually helps creators out uh, while also like showing the behind the scenes and still doing, you know, what I love to do, which is connecting with my audience and filming videos and recording podcasts. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. Wow. People don't understand the hustle of being an online entrepreneur. Like it's not just taking pictures of yourself. It's not just recording content. There's businesses that come from it. And there's so much time and effort and energy that goes into creating the content, organizing the content, planning, editing, posting the content, like everything that goes with it. So the fact that you're doing all of that is amazing. And you've accomplished so much since such a young age. So we'll definitely get into all of that. How old are you now? I'm 27. You're 27 now. Okay. But you said 12 years. So you started as a literal teenager, right? Yeah. And it was, I was 15 and it's funny because those videos are still up. So like anyone can <laughs> still go see them, but I, it was the very early days of YouTube. Like I recorded on my laptop on like photo booth, like, and I was doing makeup tutorials. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, that is so cute. Is that one? Is that how YouTube beauty vlog started? Was it with the photo booth? I think so. I mean, I remember watching other girls also record on their laptop. Like that's how I got the idea. And it was like girls that were, you know, growing on YouTube. Like it was like Juicy Star 07, if you guys remember her, um, Claudia Saluski, who's still around. She's still doing like social media full-time, Aspen Ovard, like all of them I would watch or like Bethany Moda. And they all started just like on their laptop, like doing videos that are so bad now, but it's like, that's how we all got our start. Oh my God. Wow. How we have evolved with like the cameras and the lighting and all the things. That's so funny, but it actually goes to show, like, I feel like now that's kind of not to say low video quality, cause no one really likes low quality, but I would say that imperfect, like 
footage is kind of coming back these days. I think TikTok kind of brought that back. I feel like we navigated out of it with Instagram, like curation and all that kind of stuff. And then when TikTok became big, we kind of got back into like, again, I don't want to say low quality, but just a little less perfection and people just kind of winging it and figuring it out, just recording themselves on their phone, like no professional cameras or anything and just making like behind the scenes kind of videos. And I I think that's almost like a full circle moment, probably that you realized at least. Totally. And then now it's just more accessible, you know, like back then, yeah, laptop quality was not great, but like 12 years later, the iPhone camera is just as good as probably the camera I was using, you know, back in once I got an actual camera to start recording with. So I think it's just so much more accessible now. And it's funny because even on Instagram, like we had first, you know, just the, you edit in on Instagram, like you add the filters and like the borders and all of that. And then it started going towards like higher quality where like bloggers were only shooting content with DSLRs and like big cameras and professional cameras. And now we kind of went back to like, okay, only iPhone photos, like the photo dump with like the the imperfect photos, like all of that. And so it really does just cycle. But now we're even seeing like girls are buying like the Canon G7X camera and they're taking like digital camera photos and putting those on Instagram. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny to see like the cycle of like imperfect to now we want better quality to imperfect to now we want better quality. Cause I feel like we see that a lot, especially with Instagram. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. So you started, like you said, at 15 with beauty and then you've mm-hmm. also pivoted a few times throughout your career. So you've made different changes and you dabble with a lot of different things. So Tell us about how your social media journey went, how it started, like you're 15 years old. What made you start to do that? And then at what points that you have pivoted throughout your, you know, decade plus career? I've definitely pivoted a lot. And I always like to tell people that my like journey on social media was really slow and steady because I think people nowadays, especially with TikTok, think, oh, I'm just going to post and I'm going to go viral and I'm going to be able to do this full time in a year. And it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, you never know that could happen, but for the most part, a lot of people take a long time to grow and actually like cultivate a community and grow a business on social media. So for me, it was definitely slow and steady. I started at 15 and I was in high school at the time. So I did it throughout high school. I remember going to college and that was my very first time telling people that I did YouTube because in high school it was a secret. Like I did not tell anyone, like I was so embarrassed by it. I just like, didn't want people to know, like some people found out in high school and they would like make fun of me. And I remember they like this one group of people found out in high school and they like played my videos at a party, like on TV. And I was so embarrassed. And it was just like, I like wanted to not talk about it at all on during that time. But then once I got to college, I was like, you know what, screw this. I really enjoy doing this. And I know that I can turn some turn this into a business one day. So I started being more vocal, started being more proud about it, posting it on social media. Like I didn't even attach my YouTube to my Instagram in high school. Like I was like, not, I did not want people to know. So I started um, just being a little bit more like showy with it in college. And in college, I started talking a lot about what it's like to be a college student. I was an engineering major in school. So I did a lot of like engineering vlogs, like what it's like to be an engineering student. And that did really well, I think, because the only engineering content you could find on the internet was like men and (laughs) guys that like a lot of girls can't relate to. So if you're, you know, like if you are a girl that wants to go into like engineering or science or anything like that, like there really wasn't much content for you out there. So I kind of became the person that people watched if they wanted to go into that. So 
that grew my channel a lot. And then I got a job after college. And I remember posting like behind the scenes of like working at a corporate, like a corporation and at a consulting firm. And for anyone that was working a full-time job, that was really relatable to them. So like I, my channel grew a lot then. And I just started showing more of my life and things that you would think are boring, like engineering student, that sounds so boring, but like, because it was relatable, people really liked it. Working at a full-time like corporate job, like that sounds boring, but again, that relatability like really made people like it. And so when I quit my job, I moved to New York, started filming New York City content. Now I'm filming more like startup founder content. So I've literally had like so many different journeys, but the one commonality was that it all has to do with like me growing in my life. And so people that are in my community that follow me have grown up with me. You know, we've all kind of grown up together where it's like in real life, you have pivots in real life, you quit your job and you move to a different city and, you know, there's changes going on in your life. And so I think that my channel really shows that like shows those changes that I went through. And and then the people in my community kind of feel like we're all kind of growing together and like doing adulthood together. So that's why I I don't have like a specific niche that I follow. Like I really just post about my life and I feel like that just creates like such a strong community because people then feel like they're like your friend going through these like ebbs and flows of life with you. So that's always why I like to say it's so hard for me to niche down because I have like so many different things that I want to talk about. Yeah. Would you say that you have more of your following from way back when and it's the same people that stick with you or do you feel that over time your following has changed for each pivot honestly I would say like the core of my audience has stuck with me at least since like end of college to when I got my job and like moved to New York like that is like my core audience still to this day that has stuck with me but I have a lot of new people that have found me through like the founder's journey so in each pivot that I've done or each like life change that I've done. Some people have dropped off because, you know, they're not interested in that content anymore, but like new people have kind of stuck around. And then I still have like the same people that like those consistent people that really just want to like watch me do life and like do life with me. I still have my consistent audience, but each new, I guess, chapter brings in also more people. Yeah. But it, you know, it just goes to show the importance of just being so real and vulnerable on social media, because I've been working on social media for eight years now. I started my like junior going into senior year of college with a blog, but then I graduated. And so I was taking photos while having my full-time job. So I started in 2015, graduated college 2016, worked until 2018. 2018 is when I quit my job and started working full-time from social media. And I dedicated just sharing everything to social media. So that's how I grew my following. So when these girls are like, how do you really make money? Or how do you, I want to be a content creator, but I don't know what to share. I'm like, I don't even have specific advice for you. I just talk and I just share and I just speak from the heart and I've just showed my life. And I feel like that's really all you have to do because everyone is interesting in their own way. Everyone has something that's special about them. Everyone has something relatable about them. So 
when you just said uh, an engineering student is so boring, right? Like to, it sounds like it would be. So to maybe most people, there's people who are going to be like, but I love this girl because I can relate whether I'm an engineering student or not. I'm a college student. I'm busy. I'm struggling. I'm stressed, whatever it might be. And I relate, relate to this girl. I like this girl and I like to see it. Most people are like, oh, I'm so boring. No one would care what I'm doing, but that just goes to show right there even corporate. Some people are going to say that's boring. I don't want to watch corporate, but then most people work in corporate. So they'll actually relate and have something to watch. And the moral of the story is someone's going to resonate. Yep. More people yep. are going to resonate than you realize. And I always tell people, cause people always are like my life, like my life is so boring. Like who cares? So, you know, that's always what I hear. And I'm just like, okay, first picture the type of content you watch. Like you probably watch people's just like mundane, like day-to-day content, or you just follow people like you really like, and that you would like want to be friends with. But also, I don't know about you, but like for me, I don't love travel content. Like I don't love these like highly produced travel vlogs where people are like jumping out of planes and doing the coolest stuff and have the coolest life. I personally don't find that that entertaining. What I find entertaining is someone's morning routine, <laughs> like someone's vlog of a day in the life, like doing errands. Like most people that at least like follow me, that's the type of content that they like. And that is, that's boring, but because you're just being yourself, it's kind of like you're on FaceTime with a friend or it's kind of like you're, you know, seeing what like a sneak peek into someone else's life. And for some reason we like that, like, a lot of people like that content. So I always try to say like, don't think of it as boring because there are people that will want to see that just like you probably like watching, you know, boring content from other people. So I just always like use that example because most girls that at least approach me and they're like, Hey, I want to start a social media, but I just like, don't know what to post about because nothing I do is interesting. I'm like the type of content you watch is not people living the most interesting life. It's people that you like. So like that should put things into perspective that as long as you are being yourself, as cheesy as that sounds, you can create, you know, you can start on social media and build something. And and at the end of the day, like not everyone is going to like everyone. Right. So if it's like, well, I'm boring or I'm not likable or whatever it might be. If you're just lacking the self-esteem to start and you just feel like people won't really care what you have to say, like the truth of the matter is a lot of people won't care what you have to say. A lot of people won't like you. That's the same as life. Even let's use Alex Earl, for example, because she's like all of a sudden everyone is obsessed with her. I'll see her videos and I see people leaving comments on her videos too, being like, I don't get the hype or I don't see what's so special about her. She looks like every other girl I've seen in Miami. Like I've seen these rude, nasty comments and no one can, no one can escape from them. No one can hide from them. Like for someone like her who has 5 million followers in like five seconds of being on social media (laughs) is what it (laughs) seems, honestly, You would think like, oh, but I'm not like her. So like not everyone's going to care. Like, yeah, every single person has people who don't see what makes you special. Every single person goes through it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around the weight of different stressors in life. And no matter how big or small, when we keep them bottled up, it could start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can even be there to just empower you to be the best version of yourself. 
or it'll also help you practice setting and enforcing boundaries too. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists if need be at any time for no additional charge. Therapy has never been made so easy before. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the girls today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash for the girls. We're all girls here, so I think it's safe to say we all agree that we mostly look forward to going home every day simply so we could take our bras off. We wear bras because we have to, not because we want to. But today's sponsor, Honey Love, just might be the thing that changes that for you. Say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that make you sweat. Honey Love has started a revolution of bras you actually want to wear. Their bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire altogether without sacrificing lift. Plus, they're made with fabric that's so soft, it'll feel like a second skin and you'll forget you're even wearing it. For a limited time, only you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash for the girls. Support my show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash for the girls. I personally started wearing Honey Love over the summer and was in shock of how comfortable I felt in their bra and shapewear. I'm a huge shapewear girly, especially for special occasions like a wedding to wear under a dress. And sometimes they're just so uncomfortable, too tight. They roll down, they roll up and end up becoming more of a burden than anything else. But I felt so confident wearing Honey Love. It was a totally new experience for me. And now I swear by them. So treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash for the girls. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash for the girls. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. I have never been and I will never be a dating coach, but last year when I started with TikTok, I really focused on doing dating stuff because I was single going on like tons of first dates and meeting guys and so I was really relating to girls who were single as well and going through those sorts of dates and then what I was realizing is that girls were actually taking my advice and bringing me back feedback and saying like I actually got a comment today of a girl saying something like I listened to all of your dating advice videos and now I'm in a, a relationship with the most amazing man I've been having like the best relationship like something that I would have never had if it wasn't for your advice and whatever and did I do anything interesting no I sat in my kitchen in my apartment and I just talked from the heart you know and if one person listens then you know it starts to trickle down and then more people listen and whatnot and it has nothing to do with me doing anything special like I said I'm not even a dating coach I was just a girl who was single and sharing my experience my life experience so whether you're a student or you have a full-time job or you're a mom or you're a wife or you're a teacher whatever it might be every single person has their own experiences that they can share from which actually reminds me one of my clients I have a coaching a confidence coaching client who really wants to get into doing content creation and so she really wanted to get into 
doing a lot of stuff about mental health because she's had a huge mental health journey. And I was asking her, you know, what's really holding you back? Why aren't you just posting? And one of her fears was about people making comments because she's not a therapist or a psychologist and she doesn't have a um, degree in those sort of things. So she said, I'm not an expert in mental health. And I feel like I don't really, it's almost like imposter syndrome. Like I don't yeah. really feel like it's my place to talk about it. And I said to her, but you're an expert in your mental health experience, your mental health journey. And maybe you're not a licensed therapist, but you can always share stories and advice from your own experience of a been there, done that. So you could give a testimonial, you could give a before and after you can say, here's how I was three years ago. Here's what exactly what I did. Here's how I am now. So a before, during and after your own life transformation, you're even a licensed therapist isn't an expert in that because it's your life. So you are the only person who is an expert in it. So you actually kind of are an expert. You just have to reframe your way of thinking. And so finally, after that call, she posted like her first TikTok and she had a few comments of girls being like, that's so helpful. I'd love to hear that. Good luck on your journey and whatever. And I'm like, there you go. So you're not getting on here, throwing out big therapy words and saying like, this one's a narcissist and this is gaslighting and all that kind of stuff. Cause everyone on TikTok goes crazy over these bu- buzzwords, but you're just sharing your own experience and you're going to have countless stories. You're going to have countless things to say. And just from being yourself, like you said, girls are going to feel like they're sitting on FaceTime with their BFF. And every single one of us have something that will relate to somebody. Yeah. And like, isn't that what we all want to see? Like, we don't want to hear from experts all the time. Like we want to just talk to a friend. We want to relate to someone. We, I I just think that your life is so unique. Like you said, like you're an expert in your own life and all of us have our own experiences. And at least for me, when I hear about what my friends have gone through, when I hear about what, you know, experiences, my friends share, how they got through tough times, what they, you know, how they got through their breakup, how they found their boyfriend and went through dating, how they got a job, whatever that is so much more helpful to me than going online and reading a blog post about how to do this, how to do that written by a so-called expert. Like, because I just, I don't relate to that or I want someone that's actually been through something and I can like see it from their point of view and, and apply it to myself. And I think that, I mean, the internet can be a really mean place. Like, yeah, you're going to get comments. She probably will get comments saying like, you're not a therapist. What are you trying to say? But those, it's always rooted out of insecurity, like comments like that. And at the end of the day, you're also getting comments that are like, this literally helped me transform my life. Thank you. So which one matters more? Someone's mean comment of like, oh, you're not licensed or actually helping people and actually changing someone's life. Like you do not need to be a licensed therapist to be able to help someone with what they're going through. Like we do that every day with our friends and family all the time. Like we're giving advice left and right. And most of us are not experienced professionals, but we're doing that because our experience matters and our experience helps. So you just have to kind of translate that just to a camera and then post it and you'll reach all those people. And also like what you were saying with, you're not going to be everyone's, you know, favorite person or not everyone's going to like you. I just always think that like for me, for example, the type of content I like watching is so different than the type of content like my brother might be watching. And, you know, he doesn't have to understand why I like the content I do. And I don't really have to understand why he likes the content he does. I mean, 
the biggest, and even if you think about it, like the biggest creator in the world right now, I would say is probably Mr. Beast. Like he's the one that people talk about the most. I have never watched a Mr. Beast video ever. He does not interest me at all. I don't care about him. Like I don't dislike him, but like, I don't care about his content. That's not content I like. And he is the biggest creator in the world. Like not even those people will not have everyone like them and that's totally fine like you really the goal should not be for everyone to like you it should just be to resonate with a few people and then it can grow from there absolutely I love that so like you said when you were in high school you know you really weren't sharing this because you you had a little bit of, of like embarrassment so without them knowing like what was that kind of like growing up on social media and also, at what point after all that, at what point were you able to really like make it a full time career? Yeah, I mean, in high school, I feel like I was just really insecure, like any 15 year old probably is like I just cared a lot about what people thought about me. I was insecure. I went to a high school that had like the clicks of like popular, not popular, like, you know, cool, not cool. And I was never someone that was in that like popular quote unquote group. And so I just like cared so much about what people thought about me, which is super dumb. Like looking back now, I'm like, I should not have, but I did. And so it was like a job trying to hide it from people, my YouTube channel, because I remember starting my YouTube channel and I started my YouTube before Instagram was a thing. So it was easy in the beginning. Like Instagram wasn't a thing. Once Instagram came around, I remember people would follow me on Instagram that were you know just found me on YouTube and they would like leave comments on my on my Instagram post being like I love your videos like these are so great and I would delete those comments because I didn't want people in my high school seeing it like I I was like so adamant about not sharing my YouTube channel because I had a few people find it and like make fun of me and I just felt so embarrassed because it then like spread to everyone it was just like a few passing comments and so I would delete those comments. Then I remember I was in, I always was really into fashion. So I applied for this one thing called the 17 style council and it was in 17 magazine. They flew you to New York. You were in like five issues of 17 magazine a year. And like they did photo shoots with you in New York. Like it was really cool. Like it was such a cool experience. And I remember getting that, um, the, I was chosen to be one of the style council members. And in one of their issues, they put like, you had a full spread for yourself and they put like your website or your blog or your, whatever you wanted to like link in the, in the website. And I put my blog, I had like a fashion Tumblr at the time. So I put my blog there and I deleted my YouTube channel link from the blog because I didn't want people from my high school to see, which is so stupid because that brought in so many people and it could have definitely grown my YouTube channel, but I was just like so embarrassed by it. And I, I like, it's such a regret of mine. And I remember my senior year, I like barely posted because more people started finding out. And so, like I said, when I went to college, I was just like, F it. Like, I'm just gonna, I miss doing this and I'm gonna like talk about it because we're 18 years old and we're adults. And like, if you still care about what I'm doing with my life, then like, you are pathetic. And I started having like that mindset and gaining a lot more confidence. And so I was more serious about it. I promoted it. I let people know I would vlog in public. I just became, I was showed more of myself on the internet and like, didn't care who saw it. And so because of that, my channel definitely grew. And so by the time I graduated college, 
I was, I, I had another job for like nine months and then I was able to quit and do social media full time. So even though from when I started to when I quit, it was like eight years or something like that. It's still, I mean, also back in like 2011, I don't think anyone was doing it full time, but it's, I think that confidence of me being like proud of what I was posting and like sharing it and just like being more myself on the internet, it like made the entire difference. Cause then I was able to quit my job and, you know, do it full time. Wait, that's so sad about the 17 magazine thing, but that's also a very cool experience that you went through. And it kind of made me, it triggered the thought of, do you remember what your first, like, whether it be paid partnership or brand collab was? I remember, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure this was it. It was a shampoo and hair conditioner um, company. And they sent me their, it was like three products, like a shampoo, a conditioner, and like a leave-in conditioner. And I think they gave me, I'm not kidding, like 20 or $40 to do a dedicated video on YouTube. <laughs> like I did a whole video about my hair care routine and it was only with this like shampoo and conditioner and it was literally like 20 or $40. <laughs> Wait, but honestly, I have to say that first $20 that you make online is more important than your first million dollars because that first $20 shows you it's possible and it's happening because hundred percent the amount of like, I mean, I did um, social media. I did the blog up until 2018 without making any money. It was like fully just, I got some free stuff. Even that first free tank top shows you like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Like I will never forget my very first free thing I got was a necklace and it was this heinous, ugly statement necklace, but I did not care because I had 300 followers on Instagram and a blog and somebody saw the potential and sent me that necklace. And I was like floored about it. And I didn't get paid for the first time until 2018. And I don't remember what my first one was, but that first little bit of money or that first like little bit of interest from a brand is so important. It really shows you what's possible after having no results whatsoever. Yeah. And I remember I when I was starting out, it was my freshman year of college, like when I started taking it seriously. Um, Windsor, which is like an online boutique, I think they have in-person stores too, but they reached out to me. Yes. They reached out to me and they were like, we'd love to send you free stuff. And you can, if you just post on Instagram and like, there were no like strict requirements. It was just like, just post on Instagram a few posts and like, you will send you like $500 worth of clothes or whatever. And I was, I was in shock. I was like, no way. This wasn't even paid. It was just free clothes. I like could not believe it. I took that so seriously. I think I posted like 10 times a month with like, I posted in every single thing that they sent me. I was so excited. And like, to this day that like the girl who reached out to me from Windsor, I don't think she's with Windsor anymore because it's been so long, but to this day, she will text me. She like reaches out. She, she checks in on how I'm doing. Like, just because I got like so excited for that first brand relationship, I fostered that relationship so much. I was like never losing her contact. Like I was so professional. I was turning, I was going above and beyond. And not to say that I don't do that now, but obviously I'm not going to post like 10 times in a month for just gifted product anymore. But I was like so excited. And to this day, she still like reaches out to me and we still like 
chat every few months, which is crazy because it's been like eight years, I think, since my freshman year of college. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. You just brought back so many memories. First of all, that's the cutest thing. That really is the best thing. I know that that $500 worth of clothing meant everything to you because that just reminded me my first real one like that was Lulu's. You know the brand Lulu's? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And this, okay, so, wow, I honestly forgot about all of this. There was this girl, Brittany, who definitely, for a fact, is not worked there. So I can say her name because what happened was I got in touch with this girl, Brittany, through, I was like pitching, and I'm sure you were too. I was emailing a bajillion people a day. And I actually was super lucky because I was not making a single dollar, but I actually got a an unpaid intern I got a girl from FIT or LIM one of those colleges because she needed a co-op for her senior year so and and a co-op is basically like an internship which is unpaid you get college credit I got lucky enough that she worked for me so she was doing like all these pitching and she got me in touch with Lulu's and it was this girl Brittany who similar situation would just get whatever I want just go on the website, send me the links and I'll send you. So if I sent her 15 things, I got 15 things. If I sent 30, I got 30. If I sent two, I got two. So whatever I sent her, she would send. And same thing, shooting everything. Like if I did a full outfit, if I did a shirt, pants and shoes, I would do like a picture close up of my feet to show the shoes. <laughs> I would do like every little thing. I would get a bracelet from the website, wear the bracelet, like I took advantage of that all the way through. And then one day, like my email started bouncing back to this girl, Brittany, and (laughs) she stopped working there. And honestly, I thought that was the end of my content creation career because I wasn't, once I got in with Lulu's and they were just so willing to give me whatever I wanted, like I didn't really reach out to other people because my, my wardrobe was changing every other month because they were just giving me a fuck ton of things. And then the girl, Brittany, stopped working there. And then when a new girl took over and I finally got in touch with somebody, she was like, oh, we don't do like gifting or whatever anymore. And I was like, this is the worst thing that's literally ever happened. Like, I was very upset. Like, I was very, very devastated. And I never found that girl again. I have no idea where she went. You should look her up on LinkedIn. (laughs) If If you're listening, Brittany, I miss you. And that was way back. That was 2018, 2017, 2018, yeah, probably 2018. And I was just, oh, I was so heartbroken. And I will honestly never forget it. So same it's thing. So you funny. Just, yeah. Humble moments. You'll never forget those humble moments because they they really show you what's possible. Yeah, I took a screenshot, I remember, because Windsor actually DM'd me. I didn't DM them. I thought it was a scam. I was like, no way, because it was like my first brand that reached out to me for like free gifted stuff. And I took a screenshot of the DM and I took a screenshot of my follower count at the time. I think I had like less than 3,000. And I was like, this is a monumental moment. I literally sent it to my family group chat. Like I sent it to everyone because I had heard of Windsor. Like I knew what Windsor was. It was like a well-established brand. And I just like, couldn't believe that they wanted to work with me. And so that was like a really big moment for me. Yeah, Windsor's cool. Windsor was always in the mall. So that's how I know of Windsor. I didn't really know of it as an online store, but I knew of it being in the in the mall for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, it, it was great. <laughs> so from your experience now, what would you say for a micro influencer, 
what are the do's and don'ts of, I guess, content creation, really? And what would you say is important also to know about like, why you don't need a bajillion followers? What like, why it's cool, like to be a micro influencer? Yeah, well, one, I think like the biggest thing with a do is to be consistent. And I know that sounds so repetitive. But truly, like if you are not consistent, I have so many people that come that talk to me and they're like, Oh, I really want to be an influencer. I want to be a content creator. And I'm like, how many times did you post this week? Oh, I haven't. It's like, okay, well, I don't know, like how you will not grow if you are not consistent, like period. It's not automatic growth just if you're consistent, but you have a pretty good chance because you can throw things at the wall and kind of see what people resonate with. Like not all of your content needs to be perfect. Like just start posting and see what people resonate with. Like I'm sure because I actually saw the way I stumbled across you was your dating um, videos on TikTok and you were in your kitchen and you were just talking like you were in a, like talking to a friend. And I'm sure that that video didn't take you that long to film and edit and upload. Like it probably took a few minutes and you uploaded it and it ended up working. And there's so many people that they're like, ah, like I just, I I don't have the time or I just, I don't know. It seems like a lot of work. I'm like, you can start small, start on TikTok, start just chatting when you're in your car, like you're FaceTiming a friend and uploading it. Like it doesn't need to be highly produced and just start showing your own thoughts, your authentic self. What are you doing in a day? Like even if it's not great and see what your audience or see what audience comes to you and like what they actually like, because if you are consistent and you just post kind of whatever pops into your head, I think it's going to help a lot. I mean, that's also why, like when we started Rella, like we wanted a place where you could actually be organized and be consistent and start like dumping your content ideas there, planning your content calendar, tracking like everything that you need to track once you start making money so that you actually have time to create content and like connect with your audience and you don't have to do all of like the back end work and it makes it a lot less intimidating. So just start and just start posting. I think that's the number one thing. And then also don't follow trends too much. Like, don't get me wrong. I think like trending sounds, if it's something that you relate to film it, post it, forget about it. You know, like there's no harm in that. But I think when what's kind of like messy is when you start seeing someone blow up, like let's say Alex Earl, and then all your videos now look exactly like what she posted last week because it worked for her. So why don't you post the same stuff and it's going to work for you? And I'm not saying not to copy like the get ready with me. It's like, yes, everyone's doing a get ready with me now. That's fine. But if you're just trying to like replicate her success, it's not going to work for you because the reason why she is successful is because she's the first one that did that. And she's the first one that was like her true or not first one, but she's, she was her true self. And so that's why she became successful because she was talking about partying and University of Miami and all of these things that you might think are like boring going back to what we talked about, like, or just like, eh, who cares? She could have easily said, I'm just a normal University of Miami student. Like, who cares what I did last night? She could have so easily said that. And she didn't. And people started loving her. So don't try to like replicate what other people are doing. Just start talking as if you're talking to a friend and treating it that way and being consistent because you will get to like you I promise you will grow if you stick it out and consistency is more than just one week like if you post every day for a week and you're like oh what happened it's more than that you have to do it for like weeks at a time months at a time and it's okay if it's slow and steady but you will grow eventually 
And I just like always tell people to just stick it out. Like one of my friends is she's doing um, a seven day like vlogging challenge. She's vlogging every day for seven days. That's so great because you're now getting used to it. Like you're getting used to filming, you're getting used to posting, but you have to stick it out more than those seven days. You know, if those seven days, like you don't gain any followers, that's fine. Like you have to continue to do it because you will grow eventually. And nowadays, I think being a micro-influencer is great because brands want to work with micro-influencers. There's so much more room for brands to work with you because you actually can talk to your audience as if you are talking to a friend and like your audience really trusts you. And so, and obviously you're going to be cheaper than if they hired like Alex Earl, for example. So I do think that being a micro-influencer is so beneficial because you have the opportunity to be super professional, to have go a little bit more like above and beyond than maybe like a big influencer would go at a, at a cheaper rate for now. You have the opportunity to like connect with your followers at a deeper level and like reach them one-on-one. And there's something so impactful about that. And as a business owner, when we like reach out to influencers, the best, the ones that we're reaching out to are micro. Like we're not reaching out to huge influencers because micro ones, I just think understand their audience a little bit more. And it's just like, a more pleasant experience working with them, if I'm being honest. So yeah, I mean, all of those, those are like my biggest like do's and don'ts and just like the benefits of being a micro-influencer. Yeah. And I think that it's also really important to note as well that like, at least for us, like we were, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for both of us, cause I'm sure that you were doing this as well, but I know back in the day, I don't know about how much girls are doing it now. Like we were pitching brands too. So you don't know until you try, like maybe because you're a micro influencer, you might not be the first one that comes up on someone's explore page, or you might not be the first one on a brand's radar. So if you're just kind of sitting around saying like, but I posted every day all week and no one reached out and I get no brand collabs. It's like, yeah, because you have to put in the work for it. Now, if you have less than 10,000 followers, less than 20,000 followers, less than even let's say 100,000 followers, because these days it's very common to see someone have a casual 80,000 followers, you're not going to be the first person to come to come up for a brand when they are seeking talent for their campaigns. So you have to be DMing, asking for emails, Googling to find emails, getting on LinkedIn, whatever you have to do to find like the press coordinator or the influencer management emails. Like back in the day, they didn't even have uh, influencer collab emails. They had just PR girl emails. And I was just reaching out to all the PR girls and the marketing girls for these brands. Now they have specific people working in the talent and influencer side of a brand. So you get in touch with these people, you send them your insights or you send them your most, your, your best performing photos and saying, these are my pictures that all got over a thousand likes or this that had, you know, 25% engagement, whatever it might be. And you show that to a brand. So you have to kind of put yourself out there and pitch these people. And you have no idea. A brand might turn around and say, let's work with this girl. Maybe we can't pay her on the first go around, but we could gift her, see how the photos perform. And then we could talk about a paid collab. And I just think that, you know, a lot of people are not even giving that a chance and they're just not really putting themselves out there to be seen. And when you think about it, it's far beyond just clothes or beauty there's food brands there's 
products um, like athleisure, gym brands, there's wellness brands and travel. Like there's so many different brands out there, mommy products, kids products, whatever it might be that in your niche, you have to do the research and you have to find people. And maybe not everyone has exactly one niche of just like, oh, well, I'm just a mommy blogger or I'm just a fitness blogger. You could be, you know, whatever you really want to be, but at least start somewhere. And for me, I was always starting with the clothes. Like I, I never got into like the makeup and beauty of that sort. I mean, I did like the hair and whatnot, but in a different, a very different way. And I never wasted a brand's time of being like oh well you know what let me also try to get some free makeup and I'll also be a makeup guru because that's just not me right that's just not what I enjoy to do or that's not what I'm really even good at doing and I know that that wouldn't really perform well for me so how you just said this the micro influencers or the people with the smaller following know their audience a little bit better I could tell you for a fact that if I was like let me get on here and try to sell a whole makeup routine. Really, nobody would care because no one is messaging me asking for my makeup routine on a regular basis. No one's like, your makeup is amazing. I've never had anyone <laughs> ask me about it. Like I have never had. So I'm not going to start being like, let me, let me see if I could get free this and free that. Like, you know, don't be a sellout. Just find what you like, figure out what you like and start pitching yourself. And you'll see that brands are more interested than you think. Yeah. And also like what you said with how sometimes you start with like a gifted thing and then it turns into paid. One of my like high, my most long-term partnerships started out with a rate that was like way lower than I normally say yes to, but because I wanted to work with them and I knew that if I did well, we would have the potential to sign like long-term partnerships or continue working with them. I said yes. And to this day, it is like the longest partnership I've had and they've been so amazing to work with. And if I would have said no, just because the first rate they offered me was like low, I wouldn't have had this. So I think there's a lot more like this is a business. You have to think of it as a business. And we're in the business of dealing with clients and dealing with people. And you have to think about it that way. Like sometimes when you're in a business where you're pitching to a potential client, you give a little discount at first because you want to sign them because you know that the long the reward is so much greater if you do sign them early on. I'm not saying to like shorten yourself every single time, but I think that there are a lot of influencers I've noticed now, especially micro ones sometimes can think like, oh, if you're not paying me $5,000 for a post, then like absolutely not. And they're not really seeing the long-term benefits of building and fostering these relationships. Like even the girl at Windsor that I said, the fact that she still contacts me and that was eight years ago and it was a free campaign. Like if she ever works at another company, I know that she'll think of me to work with, you know? And I just think that that's something that we a lot of influencers aren't thinking about is like that professionalism and relationship building with these brands and it goes beyond just like a transaction of okay here's my rate here's the post that's it those are usually not the most successful ones definitely definitely you've talked of course about rella a few times i want to understand a little bit more about this because as someone who is not versed in tech at all I want to understand how you launched a tech startup when you also weren't. You had no technical skills either. So at 26 years old, you founded and became the CEO of Rella. I want to kind of just know how that all came to be. What really inspired it and how did you go about it? 
Yeah. So I just had the idea for Rella because I was getting so frustrated with all the tools that I was using. So like notes on my phone, Excel to track my revenue, project management tools to send in deliver deliverables, emails got lost, like contracts are signed on DocuSign. Like everything was just so scattered. And I wanted one place where I could really manage my content and my business. And like, I would have a content calendar and I would try to do it on like a project management tool. And I would just never end up checking it because I wasn't actually integrated with social media. And like, it wasn't on my phone and it was on this website like it was just annoying and so I was like why is there not anything out there that actually like helps creators manage their content and their business and so I had this idea and I wanted to build it and so I put together a document of kind of like everything that I wanted it to have like all the features and capabilities and then I started asking around like does anyone know how to develop an app and I asked a friend if he knew anyone that knew how to develop an app and I got introduced to my co-founders so my co-founders are technical they are like their developers and so they were the ones that did all of the development they really loved what I was doing and they like resonated with the mission and the idea and so they wanted to kind of jump on board and become co-founders rather than just me like at, like hiring them to do it and I knew I wanted to build an internal team that could actually like build this and scale this as a company and so we started working together but it honestly was because like whenever I have an idea I just need to dive head first in and like it starts snowballing and I just start working on it. And like, you know, in the very beginning when I had this idea, I think I didn't think it could be like the company that it is. I was just like, why isn't this out there? Like, let me try building it. And I started talking to people. I started sharing it. I started like looking for resources and that's how I got to where it is today. And I think so many people are scared to start something because they don't know where to start. And I always tell people like the first thing you need to do is just talk to people because you will find your answer. You know, you'll find out the right people to talk to. You'll you'll get introduced to the right people. You'll, you know, someone will know someone that can help. And people are really nice and willing to help also. And so I always tell people that like if you're if you don't think that you're an expert, if you don't have the expertise to like, you know, build the business that you're dreaming of, there's other people that can help you. So just start talking, start sharing and, you know, start making some moves. Like nothing's going to happen if it just lives in your brain. Nothing's going to happen if it just lives in a document. Like you have to talk to people and show it and then it can come to life. Yeah. And that it literally goes back to exactly why I was just saying that you have to pitch brands as well, because if you don't ask, you'll never get an answer. So if you're not, you know, looking around and letting yourself like face a little bit of rejection and a little bit of failure, then how are you going to find success either? You know, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And I actually uh-huh. have a podcast episode titled that a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And it's basically just saying like, ask for what you want, period mm-hmm. in life, in jobs, in relationships, in friendships, in business, in school, in anything, ask for what you want. Because if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. But if you do ask, you at least have a chance that the answer will be yes. So you literally just went around asking like, anybody know how to do this or anybody know anybody who knows how to do this? And now look, you have this like really established, amazing business. And for one final piece of advice to share with the girls listening, how do you balance all of this? You're a full-time influencer, you're a podcaster and the founder and CEO of Rella, like you just said, all while maintaining a social life, being young in your 20s and having fun. How are you doing all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really, like it sounds like a lot when you say it like that and it definitely is. But I think one thing that I 
always tell myself is like, there are going to be seasons where you are working really long hours, where you will not have that big of a social life, where you have to focus and dial in to build a business or to meet a deliverable or meet a deadline, whatever. There are going to be moments like that. But there's also going to be moments when you rest and you don't have that much work and you can take time off and you can hang out with your friends and not every day needs to be balanced. And I think that's kind of a misconception where it's like, how do you balance? How do you do everything in a day? It's like, I don't do everything in a day. There are some days that are focused, just work. That's all I do. I wake up, I do that. I go to bed and that's all I did that day. But then on my weekends, I like to rest. I like to hang out with my friends. I like to have that balance more holistically rather like like throughout a long span of time rather than every single day trying to fit a little bit of me time a little bit of work a little bit of personal care a little bit of uh, friendship and social life a little bit of health and wellness like not every day is going to look like that it's more of as long as I you know have like overall in a month I have a balance of like okay I saw my friends I also worked really hard during the week I, I set my morning routine. So I'm like getting my, you know, workouts in and like health and wellness and all that stuff in the morning. Like then I feel balanced and I feel good, but there's going to be times when you're just not, you're going to be off balance and that's okay. Cause as long as in the long run, it kind of evens out a little bit, then I think that's what matters. And so right now I'm in a season of like heads down, focused on work, like social life might not be the best, but I know that in a few months, like that might change. And, you know, I'm going on vacation next week and that's going to be my, that's going to be my rest week, you know? So I think it's more just looking at it as a big picture rather than putting that pressure that every day needs to be balanced. Yeah. It's the law. It's the short-term sacrifice for the long-term reward. And I love that you look at it on a scale of just like, well, for the whole month, did I make time for friends and family? Did I make time for health and wellness? Did I make time for work and, you know, self-care and me time and all that? So I really love the way that you just broke that down. I think it makes it extremely, extremely simple because it definitely, I think it could stress people out being like, but I have to get in my hour of self-care, my hour of fitness, my hour of phone time with friends and my six hours of work in the day, like that's going to fly before you know it. So I like the way that you just broke that down. Um, Well, Natalie, thank you so much for being here. Please tell the girls where they can find you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, You can find me at Natalie Barbu across all social media platforms. My podcast is the real, real podcast. And then you can download Rella on the app store for free, or you can just go to getrella.com. Amazing. And I will have everything linked in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, I'm Charlene Joint, and you may remember me from season 18 of The Bachelor, and this is my husband, Andy. Hello. Together, we host Dear Shandy, a relationship podcast where we answer all your burning relationship questions and satisfy your guilty pleasure, aka bachelor needs. Not only do we provide the best bachelor recaps in all the land. So we're told. But we even bring on your favorite couples from Bachelor Nation for live double dates. Subscribe to Dear Shandy. We guarantee belly laughs, razor sharp advice, and to never take ourselves too seriously. 